Over 99% of females use contraception in their lifetime, and about 25% of those people get intolerable side effects that cause them to either switch their method or discontinue completely. And for some odd reason, a lot of these stories get passed over. A lot of people just don't realize that there's so many other options out there. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Maddie Passamillo, a Filipino-American dentist and big sister to three brothers with a voracious appetite for reading. We'll hear how Maddie faced her own challenges with finding a contraceptive that worked for her and the struggle she faced doing so because of the stigma attached to discussing contraception and the limited resources to identify and sort through the 19 options available. We'll then follow Maddie's journey of creating a roadmap for others to follow and find a solution that works for them with contraception. And how this search and her passion for helping others led her to publishing her new book, Contrary to Conception. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast from book publisher, New Degree Press. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,300 published authors from six continents and has earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. Magazine 5000 list. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. This is episode four of season four. And today I have with me, Maddie Pasimio. Maddie Pasimio is a doctor of dental surgery and now author of her new book, Contrary to Conception, coming out late spring, 2022. She is a practicing dentist in the San Francisco Bay area, as a practitioner, Maddie believes prevention is key. When patients have problems, she compassionately partners with them to identify the root causes of their issues. She reliably serves patients with exceptional evidence-based clinical treatments. As a Filipino-American, Maddie has a passion for building vibrant communities. She loves preparing her favorite dishes for friends and family, climbing, prematurely singing lyrics to karaoke, <laughs> participating in local pickleball tournaments, wondering if Baby Yoda is going to do anything substantial and volunteering with her local community partners in San Francisco. Quite a background, Maddie. Welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, John. I'm excited to be here. The pleasure is all mine. You know, before we start talking about contrary to, to conception, you know, tell us a bit more about your career journey. What led you here to this, this moment, Maddie, of writing a book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So a big part of my career inspiration is actually my parents. They were both doctors who went to medical school in the Philippines, and I really got the joys of growing up watching them make an impact in other people's lives. And I really loved how they were able to connect with patients on a day-to-day -day basis, and that really inspired me to want to do the same. And I felt like it's really important to take care of people who are already sick. But I also think it's important to have people that focus on the prevention side of it as well. And what I really loved about dentistry is the fact that it can take such a preventative approach. Growing up, I have three younger brothers. And one of them, when he was about maybe six, seven, had 22 teeth. And out of those 22 teeth, he had 20 cavities. And my other brothers and I didn't have that kind of same background as him. So it just really showed me how big of an impact that lifestyle can have on someone's health because we have the same genetics and everything, right? So I really love this idea of 
seeing patients really regularly as a dentist, you know, I see them sometimes more often than their family members, you know, some twice a year at least. And it's really great that we can partner with each other, maintain their health together, and we can adopt this philosophy of being more conservative when we can and treat problems when they're smaller or maybe even before their problems. So inspired by your parents and then your brother's uh, strong interest in Skittles, is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, he was grandma's favorite. (laughs) Always eating candy, but I think a notion of how do we solve problems in a meaningful way before they become big problems is kind of what I'm hearing. Is that a fair statement? That's exactly it. That's yeah, right. That is that is so powerful. When you know what what do you think you learned going through? What did you learn more about that as you went through dental school? Yeah, I learned that like somebody's walk of life can really impact their their dental health. A lot of times, people have misconceptions about where cavities even come from, and we can work together to understand you know why like maybe even eating lemons all day is not the best thing for their teeth when culturally that's what everybody does. So it's, it's really helpful to understand the different habits that people have going in and seeing how that affects their health and working through different solutions and options together. So dissecting what happened here, right? This is where your problem is. <clears throat> Here's the root cause of it as we sort of go backwards and maybe the habits and, and uh, mindset that you've taken on have, have led you here. How do we change that? So you've taken this parallel and this idea and turned it from dentistry into a book about healthcare and a broader sense of healthcare we'll get to in a minute. But how did you go from having this idea to then turning it into a book? How did you uh, come across the coaching program with Creator Institute? Right. Yeah. So it definitely was a big part of the the pandemic. (laughs) There was a desire for a lot of people during the early days of the shutdown to stay connected. And I'm a big reader. And so it really got to bring back my, my love for reading. And at the height of the pandemic, I was a part of four different book clubs. And one of these book clubs was really special to me because it was with my three younger brothers. And growing up, we were all a bunch of nerds and we loved reading nonfiction, actually. So this book club felt like a natural way for us to bond, get closer and grow together. And the youngest brother had heard of this really great writing program and was interested in doing it and asked if any of us wanted to do it as well. And it was interesting because when I, when people asked me, you know, what, what would you do if your industry no longer existed? I used to say investigative journalism. And during the pandemic, my industry essentially didn't exist anymore because we were shut down. So I took a leap and I did an intro call um, with Eric of the coaching program And I remember going into that call wondering, you know, what is it that even qualifies me to write a book? And I posed that question to him and he said something very powerful. He said, learning. And I remember, you know, I I love learning. This is something that I, I think I can do then. So I had many early ideas going in. I didn't really even know what I wanted to write about, but I was able to connect with other early authors and, you know, bounced ideas off of them and realized that almost every author had some fact or some story that they could share with me about birth control or contraception. And that really kept me going. And I stayed in touch with them and we got to meet weekly and talk about more ideas. And I was able to collect a lot of these stories and insights into an actual manuscript now that I'm proud of. It's fascinating. I I love the way you frame that in that conversation you had with Eric Custer, the the gentleman who started this whole enterprise, that so many people come into writing a book and thinking it's this enormous output experience, 
And it is to a big degree, but it's also a massive learning experience. And I don't think everyone thinks about it that way. And they feel often constrained because, oh, I have to have this sort of perfect idea to run on. And the reality is what we offer you is a structure, a process to help refine your thinking, research, study, and, and get there, which is so uh, so fascinating. And so being a voracious learner is a big part of this. I also think there's a thank you note to your brother in here. Not only did it sound like he helped you get into dentistry with all his cavities, is it the same brother that introduced you to the book idea? Surely it was. Yeah. Wow. I feel like there's a pretty strong acknowledgement here in the book for that young man. So because of the um, because of the pandemic, you were able to find the time to get this done. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Yes. That was really was it was able to kickstart me and devote the time to it because I, I felt like I was able to really uh, set up things like interviews with people at, during off hours, and I was able to look up articles and you know listen to. YouTube videos and podcasts all day long. So that that early research time when I had extra time was was a huge. I can appreciate that. I, I pretty much wrote my book between 9 p.m. and 2 a.m. Uh, six nights a week. Oh, uh, my goodness. I just found I needed dead silence to write and research. And it was just, you know, that's when my kids go to sleep. So it worked out. So you went to the program, your brother inspired you to do it, your book clubs, you're doing all this reading and learning, and you came up with this sort of rough idea. And then you continue to grow and build this beautiful story, contrary to conception. So Maddie, what is this book about? Yeah. So this book is really a collection of stories and lessons about the 19 different types of contraceptive methods. So over 99% of females use contraception in their lifetime. And about 25% of those people get intolerable side effects that cause them to either switch their method or discontinue completely. And for some odd reason, a lot of these stories get passed over. A lot of people just don't realize that there's so many other options out there. Um, and maybe it's just the negative stigma that comes around uh, women's health. Maybe it's just awkward to talk about, or they don't feel like they want to share what's going on. And so I, I really come across a lot of people that have admitted that they felt like their experience was really abnormal and nothing is ever going to work for them. And it's most likely that that's not the case. And so that's what Contrary to Conception is. It's revealing that these stories are stories that almost everybody has. And we are about to challenge the definition of a successful method. And it's really powerful, I think, in the book to see what success looks like. Maybe it's going to help somebody avoid a pitfall that somebody can make in their contraceptive journey. And maybe it'll help people step towards finding the method that really works for them. You know, it's such an interesting subject because it's one that we don't often talk about, right? People, it's an awkward one to talk about. And so, as you said, there's 19 choices out there. People tend to pick one or two because that's kind of what they know about and then often mm -hmm. have these terrible side effects. So it sounds to me like you're creating some accessibility and a bit more of a roadmap for, for those folks. Uh, that yeah, that's the hope. Involved? That's awesome. So writing a book, even though it was during a pandemic, it still takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy, you know, uh, what was the mission? What was the why behind this, Maddie, that you wanted to, that kept pushing you along to get this done? So for me personally, a few years ago, I was on a search for a reliable contraceptive method. And just like how you're saying, I was one of the people that only knew about two or three methods. And so I just started my search there. Trusty old Google was in my court. And so I looked there and I asked a couple of my closest friends. And one of my girls told me that she was using this newer method. And she had a couple negative side effects here and there, but, you know, she could tolerate it. And she was telling me that some of her friends actually had no side effects at all. So honestly, I thought I was going to be luckier than my friend. <laughs> 
And so I just chose it kind of on a whim. And I ended up dealing with consequences and side effects that were worse than hers for mm. over a year. Oh, yeah. And it was it was tough for me to, to cope with those side effects. And I remember feeling lost. And, uh, you know, as a woman and as a healthcare professional, I just felt like this shouldn't be happening to me. So I, I realized something really powerful at that time. I, I wouldn't have wanted my own patients to solve their dental concerns that I would have wanted them to ask me what they can do about it. I would have wanted us to come up with a plan together and I would have really wanted them to understand the impact that that would have on their health. And so I decided to make a switch and I did the research properly I asked doctors and looked up articles and talked to other people that were using methods that I was interested in. And I ended up going through about four different methods in kind of like a trial and error process. And after all this research, I was actually able to pick a method that none of my friends use. And I've been feeling great ever since. So I really want this book to provide people with that hope that they can have a fresh start to their journey and that they can look through with a preventive lens and keep themselves safe and healthy. So you took, I guess you might say your, your scientist, your doctor, your curious approach for your own journey to find out, you know, what are all the solutions? What are the options available to me? And let's not just limit ourselves. So leaned into curiosity a little bit and, and found a, a thing that worked for you. Uh, is can we talk about the one that you chose? I'm curious. Now you've got me really curious as to what it is. <laughs> I probably only know. I can probably only name three. What did you What did you land on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I originally was using the the implant. So it was one that goes into your arm. And what was kind of funny was I just it seemed like a really great place to put a device. You know, it's out of the way, not doing anything. But I actually do a lot of yoga, and I don't know if you know that if you're familiar with that crow pose. And there's a part where your knee actually goes to the side of your arm <laughs> and you put your whole weight on it. Oh. And so I realized, yeah, that that probably wasn't a good idea looking back to have um, that part being so vulnerable now because sometimes they can bend or break if you put too much pressure on it. And so I ended up switching to the copper IUD. And I, I love it. So it's actually non-hormonal. There's pretty much no side effects for me. Uh, a lot of people can get more intense things like cramps or heavier bleeding, but that's not my experience at all. I've, I've been great. So not only were there side effects on the first one, but it was impeding your yoga. And we all know that <laughs> cannot happen. So I appreciate you sharing that story. Contrary to conception, out this late spring, 2022, Maddie, how does a dentist write a book about, about this topic? How did that happen? Oh yeah. So, so dental problems in my world are usually multifactorial. Usually we just kind of think of, oh, okay, I ate a lot of sugar. I have a cavity. It makes sense. But nowadays we're finding that less of an emphasis is on sugar and people still get cavities. So we have to ask why, and people want to be a part of that decision. They really want to understand the mechanism behind it. And I usually see my patients for maybe about an hour every appointment to do an exam. And it's not enough to really dive into what is causing their problems, essentially. And 
so what I do is I have this repertoire of books that I can recommend to patients so that they can dive deeper into what might be going on for their particular case. Just like that was a really great tool for my patients. I didn't really feel like there was something like that for contraception. And so there was this missing part for me that I, I really wanted to find. And I was able to, I, now I'm able to provide some sort of resource for people to have and to make a decision about the contraceptive method that might work for them a little bit better because people will be able to see how it affected me, how it affected others, maybe like them. And it'll offer resources that show people a new world of contraception, new methods that they've never thought of. And it'll help them connect with characters on a page that can really improve their life for the better. I, I really appreciate this concept around you know, accessibility and, and uh, in the sense that making these conversations accessible, which, you know, is, is I think we've talked about as have been sort of ones we don't talk about. And as, as you shared, you know, many of the people you talked to in your book lived through these terrible side effects and just kind of dealt with it because they didn't know of another way to go about it. I really appreciate that you've taken the scientific approach. You want to create this roadmap for others that you learned through your own doctor experience in your own journey. Uh, so what's a story you might share about uh, someone in your book, how they typically choose the, the contraception method and you know what happened there? Usually when we think about people that choose contraception, we think of these young adults that sometimes just decide to do whatever method because maybe their friends use it kind of like me. And usually they prefer to get their information from doctors, but if they are going to do a consultation appointment, it usually lasts for only about 10 to 15 minutes. It's not enough to really dive in to, again, 19 different methods that are out there. And people use contraception for, for different reasons. A lot of times it is to prevent pregnancies for a time or maybe forever, but a lot of them choose it to prevent things like really terrible cramps or maybe headaches that get associated with their cycle every month. And and it can be really hard for young people to decide on a method. And they'll turn to things like media sources, like articles and personal sources, like maybe friends that also don't know what they're doing. And when they choose something like that and learn about method and just dive into it, a lot of times they can get disheartened from the process and not realize that it would have had all these, these side effects that nobody else they knew had but they ended up having. And maybe they end up losing trust in the whole process and start to open themselves up to the possibility of pregnancy when they would rather avoid it. And so now I am trying to, again, like you said, I like that word, that roadmap that shows people that they can choose a different path. You know, there's forks in the road. There's other, there's other detours that we can take that'll get us closer to where we want to be. So, so many misconceptions about contraception out there from media and, and these kinds of things. But based on your research in your book, what, what were some of the key uh, places of origination of these, these misconceptions you found? A lot of times with misconceptions, it, it comes from things like hearsay. You know, you've heard something when you were younger, you didn't fact check it, but some, for some reason it stuck with you. There's a lot of times where media, as we've probably all come into contact with, blows things out of proportion, and then it'll perpetuate some sort of fear associated with that. And a specific story that I want to share about this is with the, so it's a, a little device that gets inserted into the woman's reproductive system. And these are actually really, really highly effective devices that are popular in European countries and Asian countries, 
but for some reason, it's shockingly low in comparison in the U.S. And we ask why that is. And it has to do with a special device that was available in the 1970s. It was called the Dock on Shield. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, John. Yeah. It's so during the 1970s, you have to kind of paint the picture of that time of free love. And so uh, there was this desire to stay protected against unintended pregnancies. And the Dalcon Shield was this heavily marketed IUD. And they were, it was pushed as this, the best thing out there. It would change your life. And it's going to be this great device that is going to give you all you know, the, the magic in the world. And so women ended up flocking to this method and they thought it would be really, really great, but terrible things started happening to users. They got a lot of infections and even like their whole pelvic area would get infected. It's called PID. And sometimes the infection would spread to their whole body and several people. Yeah. Because of the dock on shield and the company tried to cover up what had what was going on and but it actually got revealed that there was a design flaw with the Dalcon shield and it allowed bacteria to get harbored into itself oh, and cause these infections yeah and so finally that was exposed you know all over the media and women were f- so fearful of all IUDs after that so they switched the, that method and lost faith in the IUD ever since and so there's this really lingering distrust and misconception around it, although it's really popular in other countries. And so I really want this book to be able to restore faith in methods like that, that we don't give a fair chance. That is uh, quite a history, uh, a bit of history you unearthed there in your research for the book. That is fascinating. But I can see the 70s, the (laughs) summer of love was that, I think was in there somewhere. And and it created this negative stigma attached to this. So I guess that didn't happen in other parts of the world. So they don't have this stigma attached to it. And now, of course, it has been proven to be effective and not cause all of these other issues. And clearly there was a design flaw, which I guess that part of the story got lost along the way. And everything exactly. was just painted with one broad brush. When you think about choosing contraception, you know, who plays a part in making those choices? A big part of choosing contraception, my hope is with doctors, physicians, medical providers, but a lot of other people have a, have a hold in that decision as well. A lot of times partners can be consulted with and talked about and friends as a lot of people involved as well. It's totally okay to talk to friends about what's going on in this contraceptive decision. But the biggest thing I really want people to understand when choosing contraception is that they really don't have to do it alone and they don't have to hide what's going on in their life. A really good friend of mine was telling me recently that when she was 15 years old, that's when she first started using contraception. And she was telling me the story of of actually diving in and trying to get it on her own, but it was pretty unsuccessful. She didn't know where to go. So she resolved to asking her mom to take her to the doctor. And, you know, she she really didn't want to ask her mom about it, but she also really didn't want to get pregnant at that time. So she asked her mom and didn't want her mom to tell her dad. And her mom looked like she was really torn about the whole situation. It's, it's almost like they both felt embarrassed probably about what was going on. They were both confused about, you know, when the right time is to start. And even though they didn't really have a deep conversation about it, they ended up going to a doctor appointment together. 
And I feel like that that journey might have been a little bit more collaborative uh, looking back on it. But again, that negative stigma of this discomfort around talking about contraception and but at the same time, knowing that everybody uses it is is really strange in that disconnect there. And so uh, as long as communication is a part of the decision and reflecting, a lot of people can can play a really positive role in that. Yeah, it's like this 800 pound right elephant sitting in the corner that nobody wants to say is standing there, but there it is, right? And it's not going away. It's not going to magically disappear. This issue will be with us till the end of time. And mm-hmm. the more we don't talk about it, the more it continues to live in misinformation or limited information and, and making choices that aren't the best for you. So good for you for bringing this story to the forefront and making it much more accessible and offering a practical roadmap on how to go about the 19 choices that you have out there. That's <laughs> That's incredible. Is there a rating system for the 19 or what should we know about those 19 from your book? Usually what people will do to categorize the different methods is they'll talk about it in terms of effectiveness, which I dive into. And a lot of them are about over 99% effective as far as preventing uh, unintended pregnancies. And the, the effectiveness drops the more it's relied on users to remember to take it every day or remember to put it in or remember... Um, to use it every every time that they come up with that chance. So that's usually how it's talked about. Um, in my book, I do categorize it a little bit differently. I talk about it in terms of invasiveness, you know, how, how difficult is it to apply the method to yourself? Do you have to have an appointment and almost go through like a mini surgery for it? Because I feel like those ones are a little bit harder for people to wrap their head around. So in my book, I walk people through the ones that are a lot more approachable and get them more and more familiar with the devices as it goes on. So the invasive nature of it, that's interesting. So, you know, how much impact is going to have on you sort of short and long-term? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. Impact on them and how, how difficult it is to actually get a device inserted in, for example. Yeah. Like the one in your armor. This kind of yeah, yeah. Wow. So a different bit of a breakdown on this review of the 19 options that are out there. But I think most importantly, having a a sensible approach to go about doing this rather than Googling, talking to your friend, or you know, seeing something in in the media that that gets helps you make your decision. Take a rational, you know, consumer-driven approach like you would with anything. You know what somebody was telling me, I was trying to get people to write reviews for my book, and they were saying, like, how I never write reviews for books. But I sure read a hundred of them before I'll order anything on, you know, Amazon about a pen or you know whatever, <laughs> right? But when it comes to this topic, we don't read a hundred reviews. We go talk to three people and make our decision based on a sounds like a limited set of information. What a great story to bring to the world and, and a guidebook for so many. I mean, thousands, right? Millions. So, Manny, how would you say that this book has changed you? You know, what have you learned about yourself along the way of going through this author journey? Yeah. So, in in writing this book, I realized that a big part of choosing contraception, researching it comes with challenging conceptions that I had in the past. When I finally researched what was going on behind the scenes, how they actually worked for myself, what impacts they had on the body, I realized I held on to a lot of false assumptions when I was going through that process. And I was thinking back to myself in my younger years and the times that I was going through inaction, I really didn't do anything um, in regards to like women's reproductive health at all. And there were just times where I felt helpless and I didn't, didn't do it. And what I'm realizing is that 
in reading a book like this, it would be actually powerful to do something about your current situation. And I want others to really know that. You can work with doctors to make things more approachable and to understand more of the nuances of the science and how that would directly affect your body. And you can take a a consideration of how different parts of your lifestyle might impact that choice as well. And we can really make changes through these choices that can help keep us safe again and healthy. So many factors to consider when making these decisions and appreciate the fact that you're sharing that, you know, it got you to rethink how you approach certain things and, and these misconceptions you've been carrying around about things. Have you found any applications through this book journey that you've been able to apply to your uh, dental business? In, in a lot of ways, yes. I think um, what I have found in, in being able to tell all these different stories about contraception is the power of using those specific stories, maybe for some dental related problem for my patients. For example, I'll, I'll tell them like maybe even show before and after pictures of a different patient with their consent, what it would look like for them to go through it. You know, I really walk them through the process of, of how a change, even if it's a longer journey, what it will look like in their lives. Like for for example, I'm thinking of what if they want to go through something like Invisalign, right? Or like change the position of their teeth. You know, there's not just all of these aesthetic considerations that go along with it. There's other factors to consider like function, like how does your bite, how does your jaw relate to making that kind of choice for yourself? And a lot of times they all go hand in hand and they can improve together. So taking a step back, assessing, realizing that there are multiple factors that should drive many of our decisions and accepting the fact that that's a reality, right? So many times we want to make simple decisions in life and choose A or B and off we go, right? And and your thinking is this is obviously a huge decision for someone It's going to impact their bodies, not only the story about your story about conception, but of course, with our, our dental care as well. I love this reframe thinking so as a consumer with anything, you know, how is this product? How is this choice going to impact me? in other ways. What a brilliant way to think about it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. What has been an unexpected positive you found from writing the book? Anything jump out at you there? You know, with writing a book, I am really, really drawn to this idea of the power of stories and exposing the truth about something and admitting what's going on in your experience in order to want you to look for something better. In my own journey, I really just kept my symptoms hidden. A lot of people didn't even know. I, I wouldn't say I was suffering, but I, I was going through something that I, I couldn't tolerate at times. And I felt like I was just doing something wrong. Like I thought that my body was broken. It's just, it was my fault really. And I, I realized now that it's really okay to just to be able to listen to your body, to understand that your experience is not defined to what's right and what's wrong. It's just what you're going through. And maybe you don't have to go through a, a par- probably ne- negative experience. You can you can share in stories with other people and you know people are actually really willing to share what they go through. And people, I think, don't have to realize that they're alone in this. And maybe I can help them consider another path. And a lot of times they're they're mind blown that there's these other options out there and they can start making new choices. You know, opening ourselves up. I think this mindset, this scientific approach you're taking here, I think could be applied to so many things in life, right? And realizing that there are many choices to be had and it's going to take a little bit of work and research to get there, but it's certainly a possibility. Maddie, what is a, a key message you'd like contrary to conception to bring to the world? So we definitely have options out there. 
we can make changes and hopefully find something that really works for us. A good friend of mine who is not a dentist, but did go to graduate school. She's this nerdy and sweet person that loves learning. And we were talking about my book journey together. And she didn't tell me this at the time of her grad program, but she suffered from pretty terrible cramps around a reproductive health issue. And it's almost like she was waiting for the next wave of her period to come around in order to suffer through it. Mm. And she was really worried that it was going to interfere with her program. So she decided she was going to try the pill. And it totally helped her cramps go away, but she ended up suffering side effects. So the first pill she tried gave her migraines with aura. So it affected her vision. She had a really hard time coping with the intensity of a severe migraine like that. There was a second one that she switched to where she ended up getting peach fuzz on her face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I could, would not be able to tolerate that either. I'm very, very image conscious. And then the third one that she switched to was really affecting her to the point where she thought she was going to start slipping into depression. And so even though, again, it helped alleviate her cramps, it was overall an unsuccessful method because it didn't work into her life. And so she ditched that process altogether. And years later, we actually ended up talking about the different types of pills on the market. And she realized that there's different compositions that, that give the body different symptoms based on like other genetic factors or other hormonal levels to begin with. So after her talk, she did more of her research on her own and she ended up using a completely different method that successfully worked into her life, reduced her pain and pretty much has no side effects from it. So many factors to consider. Don't just take someone's word for it or, or hide, right? She had all these problems that she was sort of living with and probably didn't, sounds like didn't tell anyone for quite some time. And, you know, maybe there's a destigmatization story here, right? Just kind of let's let that go. And it sounds like that's what your book is really about, a mission to destigmatize this and ultimately help people live happier and healthier lives. That is awesome. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, you're not alone in this experience. If something's happening to you, it's probably happening to someone else too. You can continue right? Find a better way. There is a better way. Maddie, what is next for you in the book? Yeah. So it's actually my birthday tomorrow. So I'm just going to continue celebrating life. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Life is short, so got to enjoy it, but also have to get stuff done. So for me in the book, we're going to continue spreading the word, working with educators, parents, young adults, continue talking um, to as many people as I can about the message here because I really want to equip people with a voice and make their stories. Maddie's book, Contrary to Conception, will be available late this spring, 2022, wherever you buy books online. Maddie, if people learn more about you and your book, where might they go? Yeah. So check out my website, madelinevpasinio.com. And I'm on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Maddie, M-A-D-E-E-P-27. And Pasimio, P-A-S-I-M-I-O, for those uh, maybe listening in here today. One last thought I want to share with our listeners, a great quote you got for the book from Ji Zhang. Contrary to conception highlights the impact of history, religion, community, systematic racism, and disparities on our deeply personal health care decisions. Maddie's use of personal anecdotes, conversations, and yoga practice hold readers' attention as she guides them to learn more about the science behind each contraceptive method. Zhang MD. 
What a great uh, thought to share about your book. How did that one make you feel when you read it? Yeah, I, I felt really touched by that quote because I really feel like it, it captures the the huge breadth of topics that come with contraception. You know, you really have to understand the history. You have to understand uh, people's stories. You need to know the science behind it. And a lot of times that can feel really daunting for people to try to learn all at once on their own. And so I, th- I think that that captures what my book is really trying to do in one phrase. So many applications to this, so many elements to this story and so many factors that can impact this decision that so many women have to make day after day after day and will continue to do so. Thank you for providing this story, this roadmap, helping this story become more accessible and taking away maybe some of the stigma that's been attached to it for many, many years. And I think ultimately helping you know people live better and happy, happier and healthier lives. Maddie, thank you so much for being on the show. Go out and get your copy of Contrary to Conception this spring, late spring, 2022. Appreciate you being here. All right. Thank you again, John. It's great. Hey, thank you. I'm your host of the creative community, John Saunders. Keep moving forward. Yeah.